Hello, and welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. The Bible can be intimidating, right? There are 66 different books, more than 700,000 words, and all of it was written over a period of 1,600 years by dozens of different authors. How do we make sense of it all? And what does it mean for our lives? Amazingly, the Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Let me tell you a bit about myself. Early in my career, I pastored two churches, one a mission start and the other as the lead pastor. I've worked as a national ministry coach to churches and schools, and for the last decade, I've had the privilege of serving on the Time of Grace team. Today we begin a brand new series of shows that I've called The Grand Ands of the Bible, A-N-D-S. In this series, we will take a look at pairs of Bible words connected with the word and. There are numerous pairs in the Bible that have significance both for our faith and our life. Because these grand ands occur often, they become examples of threads that run through the Bible. The grand and that we want to explore today is the phrase grace and peace. Depending on the Bible translation you use, this phrase is translated into English in a couple of different ways. For example, some translations have grace and peace to you. Others have grace to you and peace, but you get the idea. By the way, the three translations that I like to use the most are God's Word translation because of its simplicity, as it avoids theological jargon. Second, the NIV, the New International Version, either 1978 or 84 is my preferred one, and the ESV, the English Standard Version. For our discussion today, we'll use the NIV translation, and the reason for this is because the NIV treats the phrase grace and peace consistently whenever it occurs in the New Testament. By my count, the specific phrase grace and peace occurs 14 times in the New Testament. And not surprisingly, the phrase is used most often by the Apostle Paul, simply because he authored more books of the Bible than anyone else. Let's go chronologically through the New Testament to find these 14 occurrences. We start with Romans. In the opening chapter, Paul writes, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul used this exact same phrase in his two letters to the Corinthians his letter to the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, his second letter to the Thessalonians, and his personal letters to Titus and Philemon. Paul was quite consistent in how he used this greeting. But in his letter to the Colossian church, Paul wrote, Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and he left off the phrase, And the Lord Jesus Christ. But you may notice that in some translations, like the NIV, there is a footnote that indicates that some manuscripts also include the phrase, and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In his first letter to the Thessalonians, Paul changes things up a bit. He began this letter by writing, Paul and Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Now, there are two other letters written by the Apostle Paul where this phrase is expanded upon. It's his two letters to Timothy. The difference is is that Paul added a word to our word grand and. In both letters, he began by writing to Timothy, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So why do you think that was? Well, Pastor Timothy was in a challenging ministry situation. And so Paul may have added mercy to his greeting as a prayer that God would bless Timothy with an extra measure of kindness. The other two New Testament writers that used this grand and were Peter, in both of his letters, and the Apostle John as he penned Revelation. Peter wrote in his first letter, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. The same is true in his second letter. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? Peter gives us a couple of interesting perspectives on grace and peace that we don't get from the Apostle Paul. Peter revealed that grace and peace are not finite or or static. They can be experienced in increasing amounts. You know, about five years ago, Bible scholar John Piper wrote an article entitled, May Grace and Peace Be Multiplied to You. In this article, he shared his insights into Peter's words. I encourage you to do a web search for this article and read it in its entirety. May Grace and Peace Be Multiplied to You is the title. Piper identified seven implications for us as Christians based upon what Peter wrote. I'd like to share those with you and have you think about them. It's also my sneaky ploy to get you to go find the article and read it yourself. So here are John Piper's seven implications based on Peter's words. Number one, grace and peace are experienced. Number two, Grace and peace vary in measure in our lives. Number three, there is always more grace and peace to be enjoyed. Number four, grace and peace are multiplied by God. Number five, grace and peace are multiplied by God through human means. Number six, one means of multiplied grace and peace is prayer. And number seven, Another means of multiplied grace and peace is the epistle these words introduce, namely, Peter's letter. It's an insightful article by John Piper. Go check it out. With the phrase grace and peace occurring so frequently in the New Testament, we might be tempted to think of it as just a cordial greeting without much significance. But that isn't the case. Or because of its frequent New Testament usage, we might conclude that it originated in the first century. But that, too, isn't the case. What we find is a thread in the Bible that links the New Testament phrase of grace and peace back to the Old Testament's concepts of blessing, grace, hope, 
and peace. We find this thread leading us back to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. In the first six chapters of Numbers, God gave Moses directions for life in the Israelite community, as well as some specific instructions for individuals. When we get to the end of chapter 6, we read how God directed Moses to direct Aaron, the chief priest, and his sons, who were also priests, to pronounce a blessing upon the people of Israel. This was not intended to be a one-time blessing. It was to be repeated often. My guess is that you will recognize this blessing. I know of Christians who still speak it today, often at the close of worship or other Christian gatherings. So this is what God told Moses. The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. This blessing from God is interesting on multiple levels. First, it's a threefold blessing, with each part beginning with the name of God that emphasizes his love, mercy, and his faithfulness. In Hebrew, this name for God is Yahweh, spelled Y-A-H-W-E-H. In English, it is translated as the Lord, and it's usually spelled out in capital letters, or at least in small caps. The fact that the word Lord is repeated three times is also interesting. Was God emphasizing the three persons of the Trinity? Possibly. Or was he trying to drive home the fact that this was the Lord's blessing for the Israelites so that they wouldn't miss it? The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. It certainly could be that as well. This blessing is also interesting because it has a poetic rhythm to it. The first part, the Lord bless you and keep you, has three words in Hebrew with 12 syllables. The second part, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you, has five words and 14 syllables. The third part, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace, has seven words and 16 syllables. So, three, five, and seven words, 12, 14, and 16 syllables. Each part builds upon the previous, like a, like a crescendo in a musical piece. And then God caps it off with emphatically stating his promise, my name will be on my people and I will bless them. Let me try something. Let me illustrate vocally what I think the structure of God's blessing seems to suggest. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And I will bless them. This blessing was intended to be spoken by Aaron and the other priests, but it wasn't their blessing. It's a blessing from the Lord himself. So let's take a look at each part. The Lord bless you and keep you. It shouldn't have been too tough for the Israelite people to appreciate that God had blessed them in the past. After all, he set them free from the horrendous slavery of Egypt, 
bringing them safely through the Red Sea, and promised them a future home in the land where their ancestors had once lived. Now God is promising to continue that blessing and to keep them safe under his watchful eye for generations to come. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The picture of God's face as a light shining on his people occurs multiple times in the Old Testament. One example is in Psalm 80, where the psalmist Asaph says or prays, Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. The promise is for God to deliver his people from their enemies and to be gracious to his people. Grace is an important theme in the Old Testament. God's grace is his own willingness to bless whom he wants to bless. God's grace can't be earned by people's obedience or lost because of people's disobedience. God's grace is entirely the result of his choosing. Isn't our God amazing because of his grace? The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. When God turns his face toward his people, he is expressing his love and affection. The Hebrew word has the concept of God raising his face in approval. Our equivalent would be that God smiles on us and wants us to experience peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it's a word that encompasses so many aspects. It can refer to prosperity, completeness, well-being, health, security, and even success. The peace that God ultimately would give was accomplished by Jesus through his suffering and death. Remember Jesus told his followers, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. The peace that God gives restores a relationship between God and those who trust in him. Now, with a deeper understanding of Yahweh's blessing in the Old Testament, let's look again at the New Testament greeting, Grace and Peace. In the Old Testament, the customary greeting was just a simple yet super-packed-with-meaning word, namely shalom. And among Semitic people today, the greeting is still the same. It's still shalom. The customary greeting in the Greek language was the word kairine. It would be like us saying, hello, or greetings. Our Texas friends might say, howdy, or again, maybe not. When the apostles Paul, Peter, and John wrote their New Testament letters, they altered that customary greeting, changing it from kairine to charis, which means grace. They made it a greeting with a connection to the source of all grace, namely the Lord God. The word for peace in Greek is irenein, which really emphasizes freedom from fear. Okay, here's a trivia question for you. Which author in the New Testament uses the customary greeting of Chirine and doesn't use Charis? Here's a hint. It appears in just one book. Grace is entirely the work of God. Paul wrote that in his letter to the Ephesians. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Grace is God's gift to us. Peace is what results from grace. Again, the Old Testament word for peace was shalom. The Old Testament blessing of God was intended specifically for God's Old Testament people, the Israelites. Now, the audiences that Paul, Peter, and John wrote to were much more diverse. In their audience were people with Jewish background. There were also Gentiles, that large category of non-Jews. Their faith background was also diverse as well. There were those Jews who believed Jesus as the promised Savior. There were also Gentile converts to Christianity. And there was another category of people who were called God-fearers, who believed in one God but were searching to learn more about Jesus. It seems to me that the New Testament writers, Paul, Peter, and John, adapted the Old Testament blessing of God and echoed it in their usage of grace and peace in their New Testament letters. The three of them knew well the Old Testament. They, they were aware of the significance of God's promised blessing in number six. And they also were aware of how Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to bless, to give hope, and to pour out his grace on all people, with the result that they would experience peace. Grace and peace was a greeting that bridged diverse audiences. It was a greeting for both Jews and Greeks. Grace focused them on God, and peace focused them on what God had done through Jesus. You know, the phrase always occurs with grace first and peace second. It's never peace and grace. That's because we can't have peace unless we first have grace. Just as the Lord's blessing in the Old Testament was his alone and not Aaron's, so this blessing of grace and peace doesn't originate from the apostles Paul, Peter, and John. It's God's blessing. Grace and peace from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of grace and peace is God himself. Grace and peace, that's one of the grand ands of the Bible. It wasn't just a throwaway greeting from the first century. It's a Bible thread that traces back to God's Old Testament blessing. Keep that in mind when you open up your book, uh, your Bible, and start uh, reading the opening verses of the New Testament letters. And also find in this grand and the comfort and the confidence that we have in God's grace and the peace he offers because of his grace. If you would like to learn more about grace and peace, can I suggest the Time of Grace reading plan on the YouVersion Bible app? It's called Fix Your Eyes on Jesus. It was written by Time of Grace's lead speaker, Pastor Mike Novotny. I think you might find it of value. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for another show from our Bible Thread series entitled The Grand Ands of the Bible. This has been Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker.